0: morning and welcome to the Empowering Her podcast. I'm Melody Pormarati, and I'm so excited to have you here. Today's episode is actually a collaboration that I did with Jamie and Marissa on the Dream Catchers podcast. These two women are such light workers. We shared a lot of wisdom and a lot of laughs and talked about how to infuse love into your business, into your life, and how to create a future generation of women, actually how to really encourage our girls right now to know that they can do work that lights them up and that there are no boundaries to what's possible for them if only they believe that they can earn abundantly for that thing that's on their heart. So we dive deep into this topic. I hope that you enjoy it. Love Jamie and Marissa, and you definitely want to check out their podcast called The Dreamcatchers Podcast. Enjoy.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is our first ever crossover event. I had to say it like that. I felt like it was like Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, or one one of those like nine hundred two and L Melrose situations. <laughs> um, so oh, I love I to wanted- yeah, so I totally loved Addison. Welcome back to the Dreamcatchers. Marissa, did you want to say something fast before we introduce our amazing guests in our collab this morning? Good morning to all. Uh I, I wanted to congratulate you on finishing the thirteenth month of 2020. Correct. And um we are officially kicking off um a new and fresh month-ish, because that was kind of yesterday, but in in true Whatever. thirteen month point one. It snowed 70 million inches and snowed (laughs) for three days straight. Still snowing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it is still snowing where Jamie and Melody and Ming and I live. Um, So if we couldn't go outside before, now we're really stuck inside. So I am happy to be here. We're happy to have internet. I'm happy to meet Melody somewhat face-to-face. We had a beautiful conversation through um, a connection of dots, which is how Jamie and I work Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we just knew that she would be a powerful person for us to unpack uh, on our podcast and also on this platform, because she just does really wonderful things. And she starts doing those wonderful things for people or girls in particular while they are on their way up, so to speak. So I um we will go into her story, and today's episode is a what's the word. And I will not I will not be remiss in in the mystery behind today's word. Today's word is drum roll, love. Um, and you know what? Sometimes you just need to be simple. And I can't wait to hear Melody explain who she is, why she is doing what she's doing. And then we'll kind of get into her background as the way Jamie and I know how to do best. And also one other thing, if, and sorry, if anyone happens, I don't know if you can see it, but I have my official dream sign lit up behind me, um, from our New York city office. Now resting safely in Monmouth County, New Jersey. And it reminds me that when I turn that light on, anything is possible. Anyways, I love it. And before before I let Melody introduce herself, I just wanted to give a quick um, overview. You know, obviously, our podcast is about career. The Dream Catchers is mission is to shine light on people that we think are doing amazing things, light workers, if you will, in their fields. Um, Melody has her own podcast um called empower her which is basically very much what we're talking about all the time so we're so excited to be able to put this episode in both her platform and ours so before um you know without further ado i'd love melody to go ahead and introduce herself pronounce her last name for me so that i don't botch it and tell us a little bit about you and who you are melody so welcome to the show today
0: Thank you, Jamie and Marissa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to hang out with you both. You're such light workers, and I love connecting with amazing, empowered women. So thank you for having me here today. My name is Melody Pormorati. <laughs> That's Pormorati, there we go. I almost said that. I did almost say that, to be it's, fair. It's not as hard as it looks. I know it can look a little... Challenging but uh, i 'm so excited to be here. I am a life and wellness coach i 'm the creator of the girl life certification program i 'm so excited to tell you more about that i 'm a twin girl mom to fourteen year old girls Ella and Noah, and uh, you know my why my why for creating girl life girl life is basically Everything that I needed when I was a young girl, what I needed was someone to tell me, you are amazing. In fact, it wasn't that I needed someone to tell me, I needed to know it for myself. I needed to acknowledge myself. I needed to love myself. I needed to know how many superpowers
1: lived Mm -hmm. inside
0: of me. And I just did it there wasn't access to that type of information when we were all growing up, right as much as Mom would tell you you're amazing, Dad would tell you you're fantastic. I had no reason on you know on the in the outside world, I had no reason to feel the way that I did but I just never felt good enough. I never felt smart enough or pretty enough, and uh, I, I didn't. I didn't like the. I didn't like that. I mean, who likes to live in in that kind of reality? Uh, and as I grew up, I started learning a little bit more, and I started seeing, you know, all of the fears that are placed on young girls from a very young age, how you should behave, how you should dress, who you should be, what you should say and what you shouldn't say. There's just so much pressure. It's so very heavy. And um, as I stepped into my work as, as a woman's life coach and I worked with more and more women, I saw this fear more and more pronounced. I was like, okay, so it's not just me. It wasn't just me. It's all of us. We're all feeling the weight of the fears that the, you know, the programming. Uh, And so I decided I'm like, how, how do we, how do we change this for our girls? What needs to happen in their young formative years so that they have such a strong foundation that they don't need to feel the way that we feel and they don't need to unlearn all of that fear. And learn and relearn a new way in their thirties and forties. So that's how girl life came to be. Uh, and just stop me if I'm like going too deep into it. No, I'm <laughs> just I'm just I, channeling I, my I'm channeling my 14 year old self and wishing I had you.
1: Yeah. And I'm also, i um, taking everything you're saying and marrying it with everything that Glennon tells me to do. Um, because as I'm listening to you, I'm like, so you mean we were all tamed now we're untamed. Um, you know, like this is basically my whole, you know, all of us right now, I feel like are so inspired by so many people out there, but one of whom obviously I'm looking at the book right now, it's on my bedside table because I literally earmark it every night. Um, What you're saying is so important for young people to hear. And honestly, you know, being that we kind of pick up the reins, if you will, often um, as our listeners and the people that come to us are, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, looking for work, looking for their first internship. And then we kind of mentor and coach them from a career standpoint from that age forward. And then again, when they're 25 and sick of their first job, and again, when they're 30, when they want to start, you know, a job that has more balance or they're getting married or whatever happens next. Um, And now forget it. I mean, now everybody's looking for all sorts of things and really looking within about what it is their priorities are as far as their, their career. And although our focus is mostly just their job, it really ties together with everything you're saying. So before you go further, because I love everything you're saying, we're going to get to all of it. We'd love to know, you know, Obviously, we're going to talk about how Girl Life came to be and why you started it. But our favorite first question is really ends up, I think, telling us a lot about the, our guest, which is, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your first memory of what you wanted to be? Because we always find it interesting to see how that ties with what you do now.
0: So that's a great question. There were a few things. There were a few things. I, I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be a nurse. Now, don't ask me why I didn't want to be a doctor, right? Like, because Mm -hmm. I probably thought at the time, uh, a girl growing up in the early 80s, I was probably like, you know, that's what's possible for me. I could be a nurse, maybe not a doctor. Uh, I wanted to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Looking back, everything I ever wanted to do was somewhere in the field of supporting and sharing people on and helping people acknowledge their own inner light. And what I ended up doing though, I was fortunate to be raised in an entrepreneurial family. And from a very young age, my father immersed us in this business. It was like his first baby. He has four like actual babies, but his first baby was his business. And his greatest dream for all of us was to be a part of the family business. So from when I was I want to say as young as like nine years old, he'd be bringing us into the office. I'd be doing whatever. I'd be filing, creating catalogs. I mean, it was such an amazing platform for me to learn about entrepreneurship. And while at the time I thought I want nothing to do with entrepreneurship, it really set me up for this life that I'm living right now, where I'm bringing together my my desire for impact. But also marrying that with my entrepreneurial savvy and excitement about women, like making money and doing something that lights them up in an abundant way that supports them financially. What was so that's the family how business? It, came uh, we, it was housewares. So we were importing housewares and that evolved over time, but we were dealing with a lot of product. Uh, and it was fun and it was a great way to stay connected to the family. But but the product didn't light me up, if that makes any sense. I needed a little bit more. I needed a little bit more Na- napkins uh, but and, again, bowl, and bowls didn't do it for you.
1: Napkins and bowls.
0: Um, you know, what's funny.
1: <laughs> is. Every, yeah, everything you just said is so what Marissa and I always talk about. You know, our dad is an entrepreneur. We grew up also going to the office. Now we somehow made it back to that office. However, that office right. was putting people to work, which we didn't realize at the time, but now very much see clearly that that was our life's mission was to put people to work, right. or people, coach people, connect the dots for people, turn people's lights on. And that's what our dad has been doing his whole career, almost 50 years of it. So we just, you know, at the time, we're like, we're not going to work for dad. You know, we both went out and did our own things. And Marissa worked in fashion and I worked in PR and media. And then here we are. Um, So it's so interesting to hear your story because it so much aligns with ours, which is not ironic and lost on us that every single person we've ever interviewed, when we have a gut feeling about someone, we end up having one of these moments on air, we're like, me too, you know? Um, So anywho, okay. So you went from obviously those days and years. What was your you know, first foray into the working world? Were you, what was your internships? What were your first jobs? How did you start your career?
0: The career that I'm in right now. Or just your, no, your things. career in general, what you started
1: with, like, where did you begin? You, you didn't
0: pursue medical school or nursing school. That was right. No. So where did you,
1: you went from wanting to be a nurse and being at your dad's office to what, where did you go next?
0: So, I, I was at my dad's office for many years actually, until well into my early 20s when I got married. And when I got, I, I'm from Toronto originally. So, when I left Toronto, I also left the family business because the family business was based out of Canada. And so that was interesting because it became a, a space of possibility for me. I didn't have my working paper, so I couldn't really actually work in the US. I was taking on all sorts of odd jobs, like jobs where, you know, temporary working and working trade shows and whatever I could do. Cause I was always a woman who like, I needed to wake up in the morning with purpose. And if I didn't Mm -hmm. have that purpose, I got pretty depressed and down on myself. So did all sorts of things. And then finally, I remember so clearly I was doing some research on the internet and I saw this profession called life coaching. And I was like, "Holy cow! This is exactly like if I could sit and define everything that I ever wish that I could do. This is it. This encapsulates all of it." Uh, and and there was this program, and it was one year long, and I had all the time in the world. I didn't have children. I wasn't working, uh, and so I went for it. I was like, "I'm going to do this," and uh, it was probably one of the best things I did because you know, once you start on that path. All Mm -hmm. these invisible doors start opening up to you. All these possibilities are uncovered. And that's really what happened for me.
1: I love that. And so you were able to do that or explore that while still working for the family business or when you moved to New York?
0: It's a little bit complicated. So the family business was still in Toronto. So I wasn't able to, but as soon as I got my accreditation as a life coach, my dad decided to open up an office in New York. It was all very, right. Like it was all super coincidental, but my sister had moved here. I had moved here. He was like, the girls are there. I'm going to go back and forth. And so I kind of got pulled back into the family business. (coughs) I did. And, and I wanted to help, you know, I wanted to support in any way I could, but I did put my coaching on the side for, for a little bit of time, but you know, you know, when there's something on your heart, when you know, you're met for something, uh, if, if it's, uncovered when you're 22 years old, or if it's uncovered when you're 60, at one point or another, you need to explore that, that pang of your heart. And so uh, I I had to, I had to, and, and I started seeing clients. I started really getting my coaching business off the ground. I was working part-time with, with the family business as well. Uh, And then as my coaching practice really started to take off, I started girl life. And once I started girl life, I just really, I, I couldn't divide myself anymore. And the truth is, this is where my heart is. This is where I'm happiest. And I help whenever I can with the family business. I'll do trade shows in Chicago once a year. I'll check in on the office in Manhattan. But overall, like my nine to five or much more than nine to five mm-hmm. is really girl life and, and my coaching. When, so did you, you- when did you actually start girl life? Yeah. How long ago was that? Seven years ago in my home, in my home, I, I started bringing young girls in, we started talking about all things empowerment, introducing them to gratitude and self love and how to meditate and how to understand that we are responsible for the world that we see All of the things that I had been teaching my clients, helping them uncover for themselves, I scaled it back. I created a program where I could speak to young girls openly, make it fun, bring in a fun craft, ask them questions, get them curious, where like empowerment became this cool thing because they were hanging out in a circle on the ground with other like-minded girls, and they were all doing it together. You know... I
1: love that. What I would love to do is so Ming's going to Ming's going to cut us from Facebook in just a second. But before we do that, I want you to tell our audience what it is that you have now created. So you now, you know, had this aha moment. And then what we're going to do is we're going to force people to go listen to this on podcast app because we want people to hear the rest of your story. But tell us fast before we cut off. What um, is Girl Life essentially? Like tell us a little bit of how it's structured. Um, So that our audience who's listening live can understand what it is that you're doing and then we're going to cut you off and we can dig more into it. So continue if you'd like and just give us a quick overview of your model and how you're doing that.
0: Absolutely. So, So girl life in girl life. I train passionate women to run profitable girls' empowerment businesses. And uh, it's a certification program, and we literally bring in women who have that same desire for impact on their hearts, who want to up-level the next generation, and we give them all the tools that they need to run workshops, like the A to Z of it. They get everything from the playlists we listen to, the lesson plans, the empowering craft, the nutrition projects. And then, so that's the workshop and educational piece, but we give them the business know-how, the entrepreneurial mindset, the marketing tools that they need to get this off the ground, to bring girls into their workshops. So I feel like it's not enough to just give them that educational piece, that piece of emotional intelligence. We need to bring it full circle, help them get it out there in the world, be super successful with it. And then of course, like my mission, I, I want to empower women spiritually, personally, financially. And I feel like this program does that because first and foremost, they're healing and empowering themselves then they're taking it to the girls and they're earning for the valuable work that they're doing.
1: How beautiful you speak and what a beautiful concept. And I hope that our audience continues now to the podcast app and a special thanks to our friends and family at Choice Fashion and Media and Taja Collection who brings light to all that they do. More on that at another time. And Melody, I mean, every single thing you say, I'm speaking for everyone listening right now, hanging on your every word. It might be the Toronto accent also. (laughs) Um, I find myself very romantically entwined with anyone that has a little accent. You just speak so beautifully and passionately. um, And it's powerful. So see you soon, all. All right. So that's bye to our Facebook audience. But I would love to continue talking, obviously, um, we love doing that just to kind of tease the the episode and just get people to see it and, and and draw them in. So tell us more about. So that was your aha moment. You had this aha moment where actually we didn't necessarily cover that. Like what made you decide to take your life coaching and bring it to young girls? I can't. I can't, I can't imagine 10. it would be Noah and Ella. Right. Yes. Think your names, right? I'm I gonna it how it it your, probably your kids. Tell us a little bit about
0: that. And it was it was no one Ella So we were actually on a family vacation in the Caribbean seven years ago in December, and I was watching my daughters. They were skipping the waves, holding hands, giggling, loving life, everything was well in their world. And I was thinking about myself. I had some of my clients on my mind. I had some personal challenges on my mind. And I asked myself this question, like, what is it that happens between this age of seven and eight and nine when a girl's self-confidence actually peaks? and our 20s and 30s and 40s where is the disconnect why why do we stop feeling that zest for life that curiosity that feeling like we are exactly where we need to be and that was my aha moment i was like there's something not right We need to bottle up whatever Ella and Noah are feeling right now at seven years of age on that beach in the Caribbean. And we need to make sure that every young girl has access to that and that they can build on that in their adolescence and beyond. And and that is how we create a new generation of women who have their own backs, who know their own gifts, who share their own light. And, uh, so, so I'm not the kind of person when I have an idea, I cannot sit on it. I'm just like, let's go, let's go. How are we going to do this? Even Mm -hmm. though my fear was like raging because I don't love public speaking. You know, I was thinking of all the things I don't like to do, but my, my desire for impact was so much greater than all of those gremlins in my brain. So I started brainstorming. I took out a notebook. I'm like, we could do this. I could do it this way. We'll run two hour workshops. We'll do nutrition of the mind, but we'll also do a little bit of nutrition of the body. I had this whole lesson plan set out and I would talk to anyone and everyone on this vacation who would listen to me. I spoke to Ella and Noah. I spoke to my husband. I spoke to the people laying, like trying to get a tan who were looking for some peace and quiet. I spoke to them. I met some really cool people who I'm still connected with today. And they're so excited to see that this took off, but I came home from that trip pumped and I ran my first workshop a week later right here in my home and uh, had 22 girls. And we talked, uh, as I mentioned, about all the principles of empowerment. And that is how it it all began. And how did you get those
1: first girls? Were they
0: your, your kids' friends? They, some of them are my kids' friends, but it's kind of crazy when you put something out there backed with love, right? When you put it out there backed with, with intention, uh, the right people gravitate to your message. I literally just posted something on Facebook. I was new to Facebook at the time. Mm-hmm. like, It wasn't something I was on often. I wasn't doing the whole social media thing, but I was like, let me use this resource, And I posted something on Facebook, speaking from my heart, saying why I think we need this, who it's for, what age groups I'm serving. And literally my phone blew up. Like everyone was like, how do I get my daughter in? How can you do it for this age? How can we do this? Like it was, I'm so thankful for the community support that we had here. Um, Because, you know, sometimes moms don't like spend money or time on themselves. But the second there's an opportunity for their daughters to do better, to be better, they're like, where do I sign up? How do I make this happen? And that was my experience.
1: You said a couple things before that really uh, triggered my heartstrings uh, or pulled my heartstrings. One, I exactly, first of all, other than picturing a vacation to the Caribbean, which I think isn't all of us can feel emotion about. Um, I I know exactly what you mean about seeing a child at that age carefree. And I am a mother of two girls. Um, Mm -hmm. It is heart stopping to hear the words that we peak when girls peak at self-confidence at nine. I've never heard that before. Um, I want to almost unhear it (laughs) um, as my daughter's going to be nine in a few weeks. But I do think um intuitively you you were on to something right you were onto something that that this generation i don 't know what this generation is called, the generation we're raising, but this generation has so much more than we all had because of people like you and then because of how we are now mothers, right um because of our generation. God knows what what other gifts they'll end up getting. Which we will not know, and that will be the hindsight of literally twenty twenty. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. literally. But I, I think they have access to so much more than we didn't, where like my twelve year old will say, I wanna make that um that almond flour blueberry muffin recipe that I saw on TikTok because I know that it will be yummy and it won't have any of the white flowers, which is no good for us.
0: Unbelievable. I,
1: mean, I I didn't say any of those things, right? Um, you know, and they are getting a lot of stuff. So I, I find it that you were ahead of a curve that was really, really needed emotionally. I think many of us were raised, although with great parents, I mean, I'm speaking about both of mine. I think our, and Jamie and our parents, our parents did the best they could with the tools they had, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did what they could. They believed in us. They saw us through. They encouraged us. Um so much is nature and nurture, right? And but then also think, it's how we come up. I do think- what's was expected of all of us. I do think what's interesting, Melody, and I'm sure you've done some research on this or have some thoughts on it. You know, as we talk about the word love, right? You know, I think that one of the things that is very cliche, but it's the concept of self-love, right? It's it's loving yourself so you can love others. It's like the fundamental, you know, relationship pillar, right? You know, I think growing up, you know, the concept of self-love, I mean, it wasn't called that. It was like, you know, who we were and our parents told us we were great and it was a little tougher, right? It wasn't like everyone wins, everyone gets a trophy, but we got a lot of that from outside sources that were different than what our kids are getting it from, right? So I grew up as a competitive dancer and this is what I think about. The reason why I'm hard on myself, I think, as a grown up is because of my dance training, right? I was always a perfectionist. I was going to competition, my hair had to be perfect, my makeup had to be perfect, my toes had to be pointed. So I grew up in a way where I was harder on myself based on not my upbringing, but but my lifestyle choices, which is still happening, right? However, now kids are not necessarily looking to like their dance teachers for affirmations. They're looking <laughs> to now we have all these other resources. So I'd love to hear like your, your thoughts, like how that changes in the generations. Like, for example, like it's not like my mom didn't tell me to love myself. It was like she didn't have the tools to tell me to love myself. So I would look at, you know, my dance teacher or this, that and the other. And that's where we all kind of came from. Whereas and also, the, not for nothing, not for nothing, we were taught. I mean, granted, I love and have a, a, a sign in my home with the words from humble and kind. But we were taught if you proclaimed self-love, you were conceited. You were conceited. Yes. You were bragging and conceited. And, and by the way, that training is very difficult to unprogram because when you have a 12-year-old, which Melody is an, an a wiser mother of 14-year-olds, when you are raising someone 12, every single thing that comes out of their mouth is pompous. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's almost like a it's how they communicate in fifth and sixth grade. It's like like a like a peacock competition. And you're trying to figure out how to negate, nullify, encourage, support, intervene, correct, not correct. Um, so I I I I love I I'm curious, what's your feedback on that, Melanie? And like how is it? In the last seven years, have you had to tweak your programming and or lean into your programming to enable all of the women that are are doing the outreach with Girl Life's name attached to it um, to navigate new waters and then also navigate the sea of information that sometimes, by the way, although accessible, is still just noise? Mm -hmm.
0: There's so much I want to... There's so much, so many places I want to go with this. I mean, first and foremost, yes. If self-love was not taught to us, self-love was selfish. When we were growing up, if you loved yourself, you were being selfish. But self-love is just another way of saying be kind to yourself just be kind to yourself. Show grace. Yeah. Be gentle with yourself. And so I think we give the wrong, you know, self-love gets the wrong rap and it most definitely did when we were growing up. And Mm -hmm. so we were, so we were hard on ourselves because self-love is at the root of everything. It's at the root of Mm -hmm. all abundance, every, every healthy relationship that you could possibly call into your life is rooted in self-love. And if we don't have that reverence for ourselves, it's really, really hard to know how to receive it. So so that's number one. But then when we talk about the noise that we are dealing with right now, like social media, these kids, you're talking about TikTok and these Tiktokers who are perfectly filtered and look perfectly this and look perfectly that. It is a lot. It is a lot for our kids. And so, you know, how do we handle it as a company with Girl Life? What what do we teach our facilitators? I mean, what we teach girls is that the biggest gift they can give themselves and the world is to be the truest most authentic expression of themselves we say that till the cows come home because they will compare like no other they will steal their own joy they will you know they're constantly bombarded with images of other girls and how they're living life and what they're doing with their time and you know what they're wearing and where they're going and most of it is not true is to be quite honest i mean my husband and i were out for a walk the other day and i saw a girl playing in the snow with her telephone right here, right? So she's like playing in the snow and doing like all these gestures with her hands and taking photos. And the second she put, right. And the second she put that phone down, she was just like, like it was not a real moment. So, so we are marketing unreal moments to these children. And so in our workshops, we're caught. constantly teaching the girls, like, please be aware. I know it's hard. I know it's hard because even for us grownups, it's hard. But when you're seeing those images on social media, they're not real. They're not real. Uh, Don't live for the likes. Don't live for those images. Just be in the moment like that moment that Ella Noah experienced at seven. They're 14 now. And let me tell you, even having grown up in the girl life family, in my workshops, they still struggle with these things. Our brains, like we sometimes play tricks on us. They we know all do. That,
1: we all right, do. I mean, as grownups,
0: yeah, right. We all we all experience the FOMO. We all experience it, especially now during COVID. Right, like it, it's taken it to a whole new height. Yep. So so yeah we counteract this by by really teaching girls about how their uniqueness is is what makes them the amazing masterpiece that they are there's a lot of messaging on that we give them tools to heal from from you know the difficulty of whether it be social media or difficult friendships or relationships uh we we our greatest goal is to give them this inner toolkit, inner toolkit. So they can rise into resilience whenever something doesn't go their way. Life does, doesn't always go our way. Right. But we teach them that actually you're growing through it. You're coming out stronger because of it. And uh, rejection is redirection, like all, all of these tools, all of these things. And so I always come into the workshops with a certain intention, right? There are 17 different workshops and I'll come in. I'll be like, all right, today we're going to do the self I can heal myself workshop. But the truth is when we share, when we open up the forum for the young girls to speak, sometimes someone will bring up a topic that is so much more important than the topic that I came to to bring to the girls. And I'm very open to that co-creation because I always say to myself, If this is a topic that this young girl brought in, I believe that, you know, there is something for every young girl here to learn. And so we're going to unpack it and we're going to go into it. And we, of course, will uncover some inner tools may not be the workshop I had planned for today, but let's dive in. So it's really a co-creation. I love that. So.
1: Tell us, you know, obviously self-love we've covered, what does love mean for you? Obviously you're super passionate about your work. And I think, you know, to tie it back to the dream catchers mission a little bit too, you know, we are preaching on a regular basis and coaching how important it is to love what you do and how hard that sometimes is to find and to learn how to love parts of your job, right? If you don't love your whole job, but you still love You know, the fact that you have a best friend at work or your commute's really short or, you know, you get to leave at four or you get to have a full hour of lunch. Like the smallest things can be stuff you love about your job. Um, So tell us as somebody that it seems at least I mean, I'm guessing, obviously, there's not everything you love about your job. But as somebody that seems to love their job, you know, Marissa and I obviously feel this way. And that's why we spread it because we love what we do. But it took us many years to get here. Um so tell us about what love means to you as it relates to your work.
0: Sure. Yeah, love is really just that limitless uh space where all things are possible. All opportunities are available to you. Uh that that's really what love is for me. Like when I think of it in terms of my business, like to know that I can kind of create. No, not kind of. I can create anything that I want. I get to do this, um, and and it's funny because I and you're talking about how there are parts of your work that you can love and whatnot. Something that we always teach. I, I do a free training a couple times a year for for women all across the globe, and something we teach is like, where were we taught that work has to be hard? Like you know that terminology. I have. I work so hard. It's it's hard to make a buck. It's so hard. Hard to put food on the table money doesn't grow on trees all of these things and I counteract that and I teach about heart work I'm like you know when you're doing something that's backed with love and it could be parts of something that you love as, as you so eloquently said, but if you're doing something that is su- such a soul uh mission for you, then it's actually heart work, not hard work. We call it heart work. And we encourage everyone to go out there and find some, if, it doesn't have to be girl life. You don't have to become a girl life facilitator, but go out there and find something that like gets you so Damn excited right mm-hmm. to, to be getting dressed and showing up every day and connecting in your own unique way and uh you you're not gonna feel like you're working hard it's not gonna be that way so uh that that's just a piece of encouragement that I always give, and sometimes that comes from having having had jobs that you didn't love, having had yeah. jobs up for a nine to five that ugh, you know, we all know how that feels when you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh God, Uh, right. And I just, I I don't want that for anybody. I don't want that for anybody because we spend so much time at work. We should, and we can, I believe that everybody can do something uh, that, that really elevates them. You know, I do think, and
1: I truly believe my last several podcasts, Jamie and I have done, I truly believe the world professionally will shift post COVID. And I truly believe that it will be okay to look for a job that sings for your heart. I think that there were parameters that were put into place by culture, by my best friend, New York City, um, who I miss terribly. She, in all of her elegance, has certain Pieces to resistance like rents that are exorbitant and things that in order to choose that life for a little while, you have to choose against some of the things that make your heart sing. Mm -hmm. And what Jamie and I have done for the last decade and for me almost two was help people find joy to the best they could in that time so that city life can The positives of city living and city life could be as fulfilling as they could be for that moment prior to then making the emotional change that the city life and all that glam was no longer as important as your emotional satisfaction and being your most authentic self and being in a place or doing something every day that made you feel like you were honoring what your soul's purpose was. Now, And also, by the way, to, to go along with that, not to interrupt you, I think one of the things that we've been encouraging people that come to our office for years, but now way more so, is the concept of a side hustle. And if you can't find a day job that makes your heart sing, what makes your heart sing? Are you going to volunteer? And fulfill so you gonna- yourself that way. Yes, And sometimes, sometimes we're in a situation where finances and regular life do not allow us to be having careers that are heart song careers um, or love song careers, so to speak. However, I do believe, I do believe that the generation that will come from, and this is not naivete. I mean, honestly, after the year we've seen all of us professionally, you're speaking, I'm hearing you, we're all caught from the same cloth. I don't think it's going to be that hard to find heart work anymore because if someone walks into a job interview and says, you know what, I don't really want to do that. It will not be thought of per se as being entitled, right? It will be, I am going to look for something that feels comfy and it should not necessarily entitlement choice and heart satisfaction should not be all commingled. And I don't think we really had the opportunity to separate them prior to COVID. You were often, I mean, listen, I built an entire career on say yes and you never know what you'll find and who are you to not go on an interview because you don't know what's out there and you have to be more flexible and all this different stuff. By the way, I still stay true to that, but coming into it from a different perspective. Sure. Where, if you have Melody's tools, you might find that when you walk into an office you never saw yourself ever being in, you are actually filled with that much more joy because you have the tools to heal yourself and or you have the tools to manage your expectations right um, of what it's supposed to be to be a working young person in an urban environment. I don't know what will be next um I will know I do know that we've needed all of your tools at every stage of life, mm-hmm. all of us for the last several months. But I, I think, you know, I do, Jamie, don't you think of me? Sometimes it's, you hear yourself talk. I mean, I hear us, what we, what we always coached. And I would sit there and be like, oh my God, I can't stand the whining. Like I would actually say like, I can't stand the whining. Right. right. And I I actually really feel, I was never coming out of I don't blame them the for whining. And, and what Melody is making me realize is that, that whining the whining that we would get, or the complaining about, "I hate my job. I want something else," is because they're not given the tools from somebody like Melody to be able to see to self-soothe, to self-soothe, to be able. But to reality realize. doesn't necessarily match what you need, so you need to figure out how to make your needs be satisfied by reality. I hear a lot of that. A lot of yeah. that comes, comes from from mentors and coaching and. You know, we always say that to people if it's not us and it's your manager at your job or it's a friend that does something else that, you know, can give you advice. I think Marissa Mm -hmm. and I are big believers in having what we consider a board of directors, right? You have your peeps that you ask for this kind of advice. But if Melody's programming, for example, is ingraining this in, in you from a young age, the hope is that by the time they get to interviewing skills and getting their first job and, and moving forward in their career, that they are given that those tools that they can define and create their own joy and be able to kind of write their own story. That's the truth is so many people and generations before, and this is, this is where I, I praise you, thought that the job would bring the joy. Mm. It's us that brings the joy. It's our, it's right? yourself. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's we absolutely we bring the joy that is so beautifully said. And, you know, when we talk about young people going into a job or coming to you guys for coaching and being like whining, right, that whining, you know, chances are they weren't nurtured to go into a profession that they love. They were nurtured to go and do the thing that makes money, go become a doctor, go become a lawyer, go, but be- whatever the messaging was about what they should be doing. And, you know, I look at my own daughters, as I've mentioned, they're 14 years old. And, you know, just because of my own experience growing up, and again, my dad was giving us the greatest gift in the world by wanting us to be in this company, because he groomed me for what was next. Um, there still felt, I felt a lot of pressure to do what he wanted me to do, to live out his dream for me. Um, and so I'm very aware, my husband and I are very aware that when we talk to our girls, the messaging is, uh, yeah, like we want you to do something that you love. We also expect that you will be able to earn abundantly for that work. So there's just different messaging that's going on and and my girls are musicians and it's funny because so many people say to them they're like guys this is great we're so happy you're musicians but like don't make this your day job okay there's no money in it it's not the life that you want it's you know and and I I very often try to like when i hear people saying that i'm like Like we, that's not how we talk to them. Like they love music and let them find their path, let them find their way. And there are so many paths that are available to a musician. You got to think outside the box. It's not just about getting on stage and being in a band and performing. There's so much that you can do, be, and create in any field, So I I think it's also these girls that are walking through your doors, coming to you for your light and for your coaching, they weren't necessarily raised in an environment where they could actually know and believe that they could do the thing that's on their heart, that they should do the thing that's on their heart, and that they should nurture whatever it is that's like, oh my God, this is where I need to be. This is where I shine. We need more of that.
1: You know, I love that. and we. We often say that on our podcast and we'll get there in a minute. Um, but we, we, I'll ask people, I think I started doing this probably in the last five or six years of, of doing what we do. I started to ask people like, who are you in your friend group? Like, who are you? Right. Are you the one that's like making the dinner reservation or are you the one splitting the bill and and really working with people Um, obviously we work with, with everyone, not just girls, but often, especially in the fashion and and media industries, we see a lot of women, you know, we'll sit with them and be like, who are you? Like, what is it that you are good at? Like, what do you like to do? Right. Are you the one that like loves to make the plan? Are you the one that created the text thread? Are you the one that just gives the advice and digging into those skills, which is something that I'm sure, I don't know your programming, but I'm going to guess is very similar to the work that you're doing and identifying people's joys and skill sets and passions and what makes you like you said what is on your heart and then what we do is when we then say okay so let me tell you about some jobs that you could do that makes you feel those things um you know if you like numbers and you're the one that splits the bill but you're also into clothes guess what you could be a fashion buyer and people will say I didn't realize that buying is numbers oh yes yes it is buying is all spreadsheets which often Often people that are interested in working in fashion don't realize that buying, as you know, coming from consumer goods is all numbers and spreadsheets and SKUs and knowing what you have and what your inventory is. And so much of that is just education from somebody like you or me. You know, you grow up and you're like, I want to be in, in fashion. You have no idea what jobs even exist that might speak to your skill sets. And that's kind of where we pick up what you leave off.
0: So great. so great! I love. Um, so I'm t-
1: actually I'm actually slated this month. I'll have to talk to you offline, but I'm slated to do a life workshop for the eighth grade. Oh, so good! Because discovering you know your inner you because something that Jamie and I champion, and obviously I believe completely in synchronization um, that we're meeting you now, um, but we champion that exactly Jamie's whole thing like who were you in your friend group. We or what we, did you want to be when you grow up? Like that is all so much back dictates who it you become. Is the beginning of your path. It right. always is the beginning of your path. I've never not seen it. I wrote children's books for geared geared to five years old of what you wanted to be when you grow up. I have never spoken to anybody of any age and not seen a connection. Um, They're even exact if, opposite what they wanted, to, thought they wanted to do, and now because. They just were like, I hate blood, so I can't be a doctor or I wanted to be a nurse. I knew I wanted to nurture or I wanted to perform, which now I'm obviously not a dancer, but I'm a podcast host or whatever. Right. Yes. So there's all sorts of things. Oh, there's anyway. always some sort of connection. I mean, granted, when you're talking to a room full of kindergartners, you know, you're doing a lot of like, you know, superhero baseball, you know, Ariana Grande stuff. Yeah. So. You know, once you move past that. Once you move past, I want to be a Batman. Yes. Okay. So in the interest of time, we have a couple of other poignant questions. We want to make sure I get to one um, being a, we didn't, we talk so much about what you're doing for, for others. Tell us a little bit, if you have some advice for other entrepreneurs, people who are starting something, people who feel scared for to start something, do you have any words of wisdom for people out there that are doing what you have done?
0: How do they get past the fear? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to do it messy. Don't be afraid to do it messy. Take scrappy, as we call it. Yeah. yeah, scrappy, like imperfect aligned action. I think. So many of us don't do the thing that we want to do because we're afraid. We have perfection paralysis and imposter syndrome and all that stuff. We've all dealt with it. j Lo's dealt with it. Meryl Streep's dealt with it. Think of all of the powerful thought leaders in the world. If they hadn't stepped out and done their thing, if they hadn't allowed their desire to be greater than the fear, then we would be missing out on so much greatness. So um, I, I think what I would say is do it messy and don't be afraid to bring your full self into your business, your, your personality, your quirks, your, you know, all of it, your family. Like I, I am fully, I fully believe that we need to bring the whole of who we are into business and not be afraid to let our true colors, shine because that's, that is what literally has worked for me. Everyone knows my kid, Same. everyone knows my husband. Same. And I feel good about it. And people trust me. They know, like, and trust me because I'm honest. I'm transparent. I keep it real.
1: I love that. We are 100% the same way. So you spoke earlier about your super, or or having others identify their superpowers. And you read our mind, or you read our questions because we sent them to you in advance. But one of the things we always ask our guests is, what do you believe is your superpower? We like to make sure people know Everyone, everyone has a superpower. Everyone has something that they bring to a group of friends, to the world, to their jobs that other people do not bring and or can't bring and or don't realize they're bringing. So what would you believe is your superpower?
0: So amazing question. And just, just to go backwards, something that we teach all the, the girls in our workshops is we have superpowers that we're born with, but we also have the superpowers that develop from the challenging times in our lives and to always look out for those. And so one of my superpowers uh, that has come from some of the challenges I've experienced is compassion. Um, I, I really Look at everyone through a lens of compassion and empathy, and I will never pass judgment or assume that I know what's going on in their lives or why they're behaving the way that they are. So, compassion for me.
1: I love that, and
0: obviously, you've made a business out of. I love the word
1: compassion. Me too. I love it too, um, Marissa. You're frozen. Oh, there you are. Um, I love the word compassion too. I think you know. To be honest with you, we, I mean, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for literally the entire day, um, but I wanted to, you know, make sure that we cover, you know, our What's the Word podcast arc really started because we started this podcast interviewing what we consider entrepreneurs, right? The, the unsung heroes of corporations that are just kind of killing it and working at a senior level somewhere, right? For someone, right? And then what we found is that so many people in our lives or the folks that we got introduced to are not necessary entrepreneurs. They're entrepreneurs. Um, but we still want to hear how you got to where you are. And instead of focusing on, you know, how you got your funding or tell us about your business plan, we spend our time talking to you about, which obviously we love podcasts like that, like I built this, like I want to know Melody, like why does Melody do this versus tell me about Girl Life, even though obviously I want to hear everything about Girl Life. Um, so what inspires you? Because here you are inspiring so many people all day. That's what you're doing. You're you're, you're spilling over into other people's cups. How do you fill your cup?
0: Ooh, oh my God. I have so many places that I draw inspiration from. I would say the first is the girls in my workshops. That is the first thing. I always say that I learn so much more from them than they learned from me. Like you've got this intention of going out there and empowering the girls. But they are providing me with so much light and just so just so much. You know, it's like a magical feeling. So I'm inspired by them. I'm inspired by the facilitators in our program, the other women who are doing what I'm doing in their local communities. They how many how many women do you have doing that for you now? We have over 150 women in, in amazing. Almost, almost if different. someone's interested in becoming one of your um, teachers. Yes, they can check us out at getgirlpower.com under girl and everything is there. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with anyone who's interested. But um, yeah, they light me up. These women are amazing, all from different backgrounds and circumstances, all different reasons for wanting to be the change we wish to see in our girls. And they light me up each and every day. We do like on, you know, virtual Zoom trainings, kind of like this, uh, where we get to come together, see each other face to face. And I, them as well. They're they're one of my biggest sources of inspiration.
1: I always say I heal when I'm healing others.
0: Oh, beautiful.
1: It's, it's my, it's my, I mean, that's my inside, like my inside, my love on my heart is when I help someone else, I, I feel helped.
0: Like we advise oh. by lifting others. It's like, yes, I feel the same way. And, yes. and
1: Marissa's is, Marissa and i's are is very similar. Hers is, is helping others. Mine is turning other people's lights on. Like when I'm able to help someone, figure something out, like in any way, get their vaccine appointment, figure out how to get there, know the directions. If I am able to figure something out for someone like that is just my ultimate joy.
0: Um, So I think we're all
1: very similar that way. So tell us, do you have a mantra? Like do you have something that you wake up every morning and say to yourself in order to empower so many others?
0: Um, I ask the question I asked is how can I serve at my highest capacity today? Um, but my, my favorite mantra is live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. So just, I believe that's a roomy quote, but just waking up every morning and knowing it's all working for you. Yep. Wow. I need a big glass of
1: that. Love that. Um, (laughs) Um, Is there anything, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that you wanted to make sure our audience or yours, considering they're going to be listening to this elsewhere? um, You know, anything that we didn't get a chance to cover with you today?
0: The truth is, I feel like we could talk for hours upon hours, and we're probably going to have to. We're going to have to do mm-hmm. this again. Agree. Um, but but it, we, this was an amazing conversation, and I'm totally lit up, lit up.
1: Me too. Me too. I, like, see us, I see us teaching something together. I see I a lot too. of stuff. I see a lot of collaboration in our future. Is there, Um. you know, we always like to ask one, like, fun question at the end, just to, like, shake our sillies out, as you obviously understand that, considering you, you talk to young girls all day. Um, we used to have some really fun ones that are like moot at this point, but let's just for fun, if you were going to travel anywhere right now, if you're going to get off this call and go to the airport, where would you go?
0: I probably, if it weren't in such a shutdown, I'd be going to Laguna Beach, California. That sounds
1: perfect to me. I'm in. I love Laguna. Perfect weather. I'm in. Sign me up. (laughs) I wouldn't mind a Manhattan Beach Manhattan Beach, California. Also, I I feel like a quick set of keys, no problem. Hi. Yeah. Bye. yeah. Um, and then, last but not least, you're a lo- You're a tri-state. Yes. Long Is there? We we have celebrated a lot of small business that have continued to bring us light in this really bizarre moment that has been an extended moment. Is there any business local to you? that you would like to call out major thanks, snaps, high fives for just- Like you could not have survived without and you together um, in the last several months, uh, somewhere you order from, somewhere you support. Is there just one place or two places in particular that are your unsung heroes?
0: I'm going to shout out my sister. She runs a fit dance and fitness studio right here in our town. And she has shown up every single day during COVID, Zoom when we weren't, when she wasn't able to go into the studio, showing up for us, giving us our dose of mental and physical health. Um, She she hasn't missed a day. And and what is
1: her studio? What's her studio called? We'll tag her.
0: It's called Confidance. Confidance. I love that. Yeah. Confidance. And she teaches young girls and women as well. So uh, I would shout her out because amazing. Like a lot of people have looked at COVID and been like, oh my God, woe is me. What are we going to do? She showed up every day for her people and made a big difference.
1: Poor, poor dad. All he wanted you guys to do (laughs) was help in the housewares keep the business alive he did a great job these girls are doing
0: magical little little
1: did he know little did he know how much magic he was pouring into the both of you
0: he really was we're blessed we're blessed with all of his wisdom him and my mama there love them love them thank you both so much